Hey friends, it's Jana and Ashley. Welcome back to Season 3 of the Geek Girls Universe Podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, it's Jana. Welcome back to the Geek Girls Universe. Today we are talking about one of the most highly anticipated shows of 2022 that is not related to Marvel or Star Wars. And quite frankly, it might still be one of the most highly anticipated shows, and for sure it's going to be one of the most highly talked about. Pam and Tommy on Hulu, starring Lily James and Sebastian Stan. Pam and Tommy chronicles one of the most infamous pop culture events probably ever, but absolutely of the 90s. The release of their sex tape is a story that you probably think you know, but I guarantee you, you really don't. And this new eight-part miniseries is here to tell the world about Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee's story, but also not just telling them, it's about really helping them to reclaim a narrative that got spun so widely out of control. If you are new here, or you haven't already, we would love if you subscribed and left us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening from, because it helps us reach other geeks and the more the geekier, right? We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't need to be a girl to join, only a geek. We're going to get right back to Pam and Tommy, because let's just say that while we have been anticipating this for other reasons than... <laughs> reframing the 90s Sebastian Stan being one Obviously. of them yeah I mean I think it doesn't take a lot for you to know that if you've ever been here before we are both Stan Stans which is probably <laughs> why I was excited about this at the first get-go right like I you know saw some pictures right. and I was like oh gosh I love him so much and I was like dang he looks good and I was like dang wow he looks like wow he looks like Tommy Lee and it's like okay oh my tell gosh. me a little they more both. about this show oh my for real I mean there's that one image of them that you know they've done a, in the show they've done a ton of recreation of images of some of their more famous Getty image type images that are just maybe iconic you know Pam and Tommy imagery over the years and there's that one where he's naked with his giant mayhem tattoo and she's biting his nipple ring. And you're like, oh my God, it looks just like Pam and Tommy. But if you look at that image next to the original, holy fork balls, it is <laughs> ridiculous. The transformation, the yeah, two of them. I think that's part of what just, made it wow. so highly anticipated originally, right? Because everyone's talking yes, about it. The absolutely. Physical, the physical transformations. Lily James looks nothing like herself. Nothing. I mean, I mean when I'm... I first saw that, I was like, wait, who's playing this role? Because I didn't even recognize her. Like, I right. legit did not recognize her. And I have been in a room with her, like, <laughs> spitting distance for interviews. So right. when she's that unrecognizable, you're like, wait, what, who, who, huh? What's happening? I mean, I was, I mean, blown away. I was just like, yes. I don't even know what's happening here. <laughs> that I is mean, how good the makeup, the whole thing is just like, whoa, what's happening? It, which of course just draws you in and makes you kind of interested. Yes. Physically, well, they, they both look the part. Um, it's it's insane. Like, yeah, Lily James especially. I'm like, oh my gosh, I you know, I, I know her from Downton Abbey and I know her from Cinderella. And I'm like, this is not Cinderella. This is not Downton Abbey. <laughs> you know? 
But oh my gosh. Um, but beyond the physical transformations, I mean, both of them, they nailed the cadence of their voices, their laughs, their demeanor. I mean, Lily really captured why Pamela was so captivating to people in the 90s, not just men, but like everyone. Mm -hmm. She was so personable. So, and she still is, you know, and then gosh, oh my gosh. I mean, Sebastian is so good at, at towing that line with characters that have very complex emotions Mm. where they're Mm -hmm. happy or they're sad or they're manic or they're chaotic or they're psychotic or they're murderous. Like he just, he can flip that like on a dime and oh my God, like watching them both bring to life these people that we, you know, think that we know. I was just like, my mouth was like open the whole time. Just like, oh my God, this is so good. Holy crap. This is so good. Their representation of the two of them was just, I mean, it was uncanny, but it was brilliant. It was, I mean, sublime, just Every moment you were like, wow, I can't, I mean, just wow, blown away. I, I honestly can't wait to watch it again just from that aspect. But there are so many other aspects to this that are just whew, deep breath because mm-hmm. it's so deep, right? Like it's not just, oh, cool, we're watching <laughs> no this story intended. about Pam and... <laughs> right (laughs) i mean from the opening scene right oh my gosh wow that was terrible but yeah um i mean i watch it like just the opening scene with that nail gun um and ran and i was like how episode two is gonna go down in infamy and like there is not going to be another scene on television this year. I guarantee you that Ever? will be talked about as long as this one will be talked about. I mean, it was long. It was Up, down a sideways lot. all over. It was wow. I mean, you know, we're family friendly, so we're not going to get into like all the details here, people. Like, let's be clear. Like, we will still keep this safe for work, not not safe for work. But right. <laughs> You know, you can Google all the things you want and you will find the answers. But the anatomy that Tommy Lee refers to in his memoir as his buddy, quote unquote, is animatronic, was animatronic and and required four puppeteers to operate. (laughs) (laughs) But Tommy Lee in real life was known for, you know, probably doing more than a handful of drugs as you know, seen in the in this series, but I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to probably guess that the drummer of an 80s hair band may or may not have done a few drugs in his day, regardless of whether or not he talks about that. But yes, he talks to his member and refers yes. to it as buddy. And there's a scene of him discussing things with his buddy. Discussing how much he loves her and how he <laughs> wants to marry her. And it's just, I mean, it... It is so extra. It's so... so, I mean, it's virtually indescribable because it's like just one of those things that, A, (laughs) I can't believe anybody, or I guess I should believe that somebody ever would do it. But then the fact that it got dramatized is just, wow. Yes. The fact that this made it into the show, like, oh my God, wow. But it does set a really good description 
like sort of a baseline slash description of who he was as a person slash character like it just kind of sets him mentally as a here I am and also kind of sets the stage for just kind of how rampantly they you know and explosively their relationship developed right like it was was it four days after yep. they met they got married four and... day four day courtship and they were yep. married I mean and I've heard pretty... of dating people for a very short period of time and then getting married four days feels a little excessively <laughs> short but who am I to judge you know but that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this series um because you know I was I was too young when all this actually happened so I've only learned of it you know <laughs> secondhand thirdhand like through the years right and through the lens of you know pop culture and the lens of people mocking them and making fun of them and her and she's always been like She's always carried the brunt of the jokes when it comes to this situation. Right. And, but I really enjoyed, and we all know how their relationship ended up, but. Both times. Yeah, both times. But it was nice to see what exactly brought them together. Like they, and they both have said that each other has been the love of their life. They're just not meant to be together. And you really see that in this show. Like Tommy, for all of his like you know, jerk things that he did and does and said and treated people. And which is why Rand did what he did and stole Mm -hmm. that tape and posted it. But so like, it's like in the streets, Tommy was a horrible human being, but at home he was literally Pam's biggest like supporter for the most part. Unlike her first partner who was a complete, complete jerk. Like just, you know, and there are scenes where it's like when she gets her first gig, like he, he legit like tries to take the business card and he's like, whatever. And she's like, yeah, no, this dude, is, that's mine. Like I earned this. And this is her I, old boyfriend that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And night and we're, day from Tommy and, and for sure Tommy's not perfect. And I think he, you know, he will openly admit that like, that's not a, <laughs> it's no well, secret. And they kind of, they kind of show that too, like the cracks that start to happen in their relationship. Yeah. So it doesn't focus heavily on like the downfall of their relationship, but it does show that the cracks were there and, that's you know it's fine it's it feels real and it feels real because they did a great job establishing this crazy love yes that these two had for each other like you're sitting there watching it going wow like I mean I know where it goes but like at the same time I'm like wow this love is wow it's powerful and and to back up like I'm a touch older than you so like when this all was happening I was so they got married in 95. I was at the end of my freshman year in college in 95. So just old enough to like be aware of what's happening. The internet has just, you know, publicly been available to people for the last couple of years. So like, I'm actually in college. I know people using the internet, you know, we, we use it for school, but not like a ton, but I definitely know people doing things with the internet that is, you know, maybe a little more unsavory than your average, maybe high schooler or middle schooler would be using it for because they're, um, you know, learning to code or studying computer science, you know? So we'll just without, like, obviously I won't name names or get into specifics. And then obviously really not specifics because we're not tawdry on here, but you can imagine tied to something like this, there's probably things that college students and definitely, young male college students are doing on their internet um 
in 94, 95, 96 that are, you know, related to the industry in which this ends up in court. So you know these things are happening. So from a, you know, sort of peripheral standpoint, I definitely remember seeing these kind of things go down. And I will say that I was never somebody who specifically vilified Pam Anderson, but at the same time, I also just didn't really care that much because I was more one of those grunge doing my own thing, did not give a poop about <laughs> most of the rest of the world. So like that aspect of like our 90s culture didn't really phase me. Like the whole Tommy Lee, Pam Anderson thing was never a whatever to me. I saw Baywatch as like, for real, why are you guys watching this? Like, this is just trash. But that was my view of all of those types of beginning of reality TV shows and things like that. Like that was just never my jam. So that lens, I was always kind of looking at those types of things from that perspective. Like I never had an interest in that. And so, and honestly, like most of my friends were males because I thought women were obnoxious. Um, Funny. And they were, we, we'll right. But, but, well, we do. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally do. They were catty and obnoxious. And I just, so I feel like where most of the people as a whole that were probably doing the vilifying of Pam and blaming all this stuff on her, I'm sure largely were women because, you know, here she is as, you know, I think society as a whole looked at her as, oh, well, she sold her body and she did whatever and she was making money because of these things. I will also say I am a large chested woman who got a lot of crap for having large boobs. Well, as you and I both know, there is an aspect of which you can't do much about them unless you're wearing an oversized like hoodie sweatshirt to try <laughs> to contain them, you know, contain like, them. That's a good word. let's, let's talk about bathing suit. No, I don't have to be Baywatch, but you literally can't go in public in a bathing suit and have them not be seen. There is an amount of just <laughs> cleavage that doesn't get hidden, period. End of story. So, you know, there's that side of it as well, where like, you don't necessarily have to flaunt it, but there's also a level at which you can't hide it without smothering your body and like, you know, drowning in clothing kind of thing. So to vilify her for something that she literally can't physically control is one thing. And now sure, we can talk about the whole argument where like, okay, great. She had, you know, she had a boob job early on. Okay, fine. But she was still relatively large to begin with. It wasn't like she was teeny tiny. She just enhanced them for her job. You know what? Lots of people enhance things for my job. You know what I also do? Enhance my lips on occasion and get some Botox. Come at me, internet. Come at me. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the fact that people are vilifying her for her body because that's how she made her money. But at the same time, she was not happy that it got posted on the internet for free after it was stolen from her house. Right. And the, that's the thing. The two were not mutually exclusive. They, they were victims, love them or hate them. Mm -hmm. They were victims and yeah. it does not matter. And I love how, the series tackles consent. It literally yes. several characters have the conversations yes. about it. And it's very obvious that, and consent is murky even to this day, which it shouldn't mm -hmm. be, but it is, but it oh, definitely gosh. was not a thing in the nineties. And no one talked about consent in the nineties. No, no. And in fact, when the internet was kind of born at the beginning, even just 
privacy at its basic root was not a thing that people talked about. Oh, for sure. People just posted things willy nilly and there was no DCMA. What, what was that? What was that? You know, did you know who mm-hmm. the internet provider was? Could you get a hold of somebody who posted something? Not easily. No. Right. And, and in fact, they actually talk about that in the show to a degree where it was like, well, we can post this. Oh, wasn't well, somebody kind of come at me? No, there's no way you post they it can't find and you, you do whatever yeah. and it goes through. Back then it was so much more obscure and nobody really cared. Right. Pam says several times like this isn't to Tommy, you know, like this isn't like it's not going to be for you what it is for me. Yep. And it's true. She was vilified for this tape. He was considered like a king. And mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know if the real life Tommy had the realization, but in the show, Seb's Tommy has the realization that like because you know like one of his bandmates is like bro like you you know yes. exposed yourself at a concert and, and he, he was like, like yeah, but, but that I was chose my to. choice yes exactly you know, there is a conversation that he has in his memoir he talked about the fact that he knows that the base the issue was always kind of around privacy and he knows that the show talks about that and he knows that like it was always like one of the big issues was that it was more of a privacy issue right like these were memories that were stolen from their home and shared. I mean, it was a 54 minute video Mm -hmm. of their honeymoon in which there was eight minutes of them having relations relations, um, in various forms. It was never intended to be a medium for public consumption. And clearly when it was embedded in the middle of whatever on this high eight terribly made videotape, that was not what it was designed for. And the fact that anybody ever thought that this was okay or that it shouldn't matter because she may or may not have made money from being buxom and then, you know, being seen in magazines that, you know, pay you for whatever aspect of your body is just ludicrous because at that point she still has control over what is being posted, what's being photographed, when and where right. it appears. She signed a contract. She, she signed a contract. Exactly. Exactly. This is not this is not the same thing. And yep. yeah, it's that's the thing is that and oh my God, I think the scene that like made me the most angry was when she was forced to go to the lawyer. So she was subpoenaed and not oh, Tommy. Oh my gosh. And so they didn't want to talk to Tommy, but they wanted to talk to her and so the lawyer for the deposition, he's like making her watch this tape, their tape, confirm who's in it. And it was like accusing them of like making it so that people could see it. And I'm like, oh my God. Like the, um, what are they called? The person who takes the notes? Stenographer? Oh, the stenographer. That- yeah. 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 The court stenographer. So, yep. Yeah. So she was in there and she, Pamela ends up in the bathroom, you know, just sick to her stomach because of what's like just the questions they're asking her and what they're saying. And she's like, I've been in a lot of nasty depositions, but this one's like particularly bad. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I, again, I had no idea. I've only known, you know, the caricature version of the two of these, these people, you know, that that's how they're portrayed in society, but they are real people. And this show does a phenomenal job of especially Pamela like she's a person she was a nice person my god she like took time to like know people that worked on the set with her like oh asking about kids and checking in she really was like a nice and is I'm assuming it still is a nice person and 
all she really wanted was to be a great actress. She she wanted to emulate Jane Fonda and she wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And this all happened. Oh my god, it's just it's so disgusting what the public did to them and like well, saying and- that they had the rights to their tape because of whatever because was, other things oh had God. already been seen or that like once it was out right. there like everybody should just be able to see it no no <laughs> all the no there was a line she talked about in tommy's memoir she talked about in some of the depositions how she and this is part of the reason they kind of dropped some of the things that they did finally and they just you know sort of like they they ended up selling the rights to the the tape to the entertainment company so that you know, for a sum of money. She basically was just over it. She was done. She just wanted to be a mom. She wanted to live her life. She wanted to be done. And she was sick of going into courtrooms and tell over and over again the story and watch these tapes with these men who, as she described, were like these old men with like crusty whatever in the corner of those other mouths, basically just asking for these salacious details, encounters of both the videotape and then how she deemed them different, you know, between that and her, you know, work in other mediums, basically. And, you know, how how they should see these as different. It's mind-boggling to me how even back then, you know, and fine, I to a degree, I get it. Like, they're the attorneys for the other you know, it's their job to be jerks, right? Like it is their job to make her as uncomfortable as humanly possible to try to get her to fold. I get it, but it is so disgusting. It is appalling. The fact that the human race is that just, ugh. Oh yeah, gross. So I can't even. That was the thing. I really liked about the show. So the show did a great job balancing between being wildly, I mean, it's wildly entertaining watching, you know, Sebastian Stanis, Tommy Lee, watching Lily James's Pamela Anderson. It's entertaining for sure. But it also wove within that a really telling story of, you know, love and sadness and heartbreak uh, misogyny, like conversations on misogyny and sexism and gender bias and rape culture, like they really got mm-hmm. into a lot of it in just eight. It's also it's only eight episodes. The first three air tomorrow on Hulu. Yeah, here in the U.S. it's on Hulu, and then the each episode, subsequent episodes will be re- released weekly. Um, but yeah, no, in eight, eight, just eight episodes, they really tackled a lot. And I was left feeling like I owed her an apology, not because I vilified her in the nineties. Like, again, you I was just too young know, to vilify right? her, you didn't, but yeah. like just the stick, the stereotype basically of what I've carried around thinking of her and of Tommy. And just, if anybody mentioned that scandal, I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, not that I thought they deserved it, but I was just like, Oh, well, like, what are you going to do? Cause I didn't really think about it. You know, you know, because that's not how yeah. it was ever presented. It was never presented in a way where you thought well, about I don't them. Think, <laughs> I don't think most people were aware of the fact that it, the tape was stolen, for one. 
Yeah, because the narrative that... has been, oh, well, they uh-huh. did it on purpose. They leaked it on purpose to yeah. sell it and to make money. And, you know, and honestly, like, you know, like we were saying before, like I have a slightly different perspective, but I also think my perspective is slightly different because I was taking classes in journalism in 97 and 98. So what I saw happening, we looked at from a very different lens intentionally, right? Whereas the vast majority of people that looked at that period would not have even looked at it from that lens. They would have simply just looked at it as a, oh, hey, this is, you know, whatever. And it's here and ha ha ha. It's, you know, on the internet, but like, you know, our entire purpose of looking at it period in class was to look at it from that first amendment aspect of, you know, what, what can and can't you post and why, and what, you know, what's legal and what's ethical and, you know, the moral aspects of this and, and to a degree then, you know, what's it like for them? Not just a, you know, can or can't you do this, but like, what is, what's the impact overall? And then what's the long-term mm-hmm. impact, right? Like it's, it's one thing to be like, oh, we're doing, you know, fine. Okay. gets posted, but then what? Right. Like right. this new media as, you know, we refer to all these things as they, you know, different platforms as they come about, um, you know, it's just like, it's this whole huge conversation that like, you know, as we've been saying, like, I mean, they literally changed the internet, you know, as we know it, they like, they're sort of the advent of, I mean, they're literally the first like sex tape scandal. They're probably the first viral, like they were viral before that was the word for it. Yeah, absolutely. They're literally the advent, a sex tape scandal, being able to I suppose legitimately, we'll call it legitimately because there's still, we'll still question whether or not it's legitimate, but legitimate in that once the rights were sold, Seth, don't ask me to say his last name, their entertainment company was legally allowed to charge money for that, in turn being able to legally try to shut down anybody else who had a copy of that on the internet, which previously was not a thing because there was no way to prove who owned the original or the copyrighted content other than knowing that, you know, cause like Rand and his group, they were all just like, Oh, well that's ours. And they were like, whatever, dude, you have like a stolen copy of a tape. There's no, you know, good luck with that. You're going to go to the police and try to be like, Oh, Hey, that's our stolen tape. It set this precedent that we're, none of these should be on the internet. And that's a whole other discussion, but you know, it's a huge precedent, but coming back to it, you know, 25 years later, and being able to kind of look at it with a different lens, the impact that it's had in terms of privacy and just consent regarding First Amendment rights is one thing. But then also just looking at that cultural shift. 25 years ago, the amount of people who cared about her side and her feelings were so, it was so limited. And we still have this culture of the women are sluts and the men are rock stars, pun intended, for the acts that were on that tape, the acts were seen as she's in one camp and he's in the other camp. And it's like, why? This is a mutual, consensual thing that happened, yet they're viewed completely differently for what's on that tape, which is another huge problem. So kind of looking at it and the fact that they took this story and went out of their way to kind of do right by her and showing the entire story and also her perspective and kind of his behavior slash perspective, I think is actually really important just from a 
cultural standpoint and kind of, you know, telling the female's perspective, but also the one thing I find kind of interesting, and I know like there's now because of this, there's all these kind of discussions out there and these little like chitter chatterings about, well, we're doing this and we're watching this, but the new story is also kind of being told without her consent, which I find interesting. So from what I know, Tommy was consulted. They he reached was. out to well, technically they reached out to both of them. They did. She didn't yes. she didn't want any she didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to talk about mm-hmm. it. And honestly, that kind of flows with one hundred percent checks with this story. She's done she's done. She does not want it. She does she's over it. I'm speaking in terms of deductive reasoning based mm-hmm. on all the things we've seen, read, heard. She just doesn't want to deal with it. She just wants it to be done. And I don't think she cares what the perspective is. She wants to move on. I don't think she cares if like the entire thing is like, oh my gosh, Pam is the best person on the face of the planet. She just doesn't want to deal with it. And honestly, it's probably painful to look at it from a, even if they're doing all of the things to make her in the best light possible and give her a redemption story. If that were me, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be involved. I don't think. Right. I think I would just be like best wishes you know yeah, yeah exactly I'd be like, exactly i'd be like thanks good luck try not to make me yeah. look like a butt and then cool you know yeah. like cool story because at the end of the day they're not sure like there's no consent do they need her consent they're literally telling a story that exists it's in a book that tommy has it's, it's also based on a article from like 2014 it's, i was gonna say and it's based and it's largely based on that rolling stones article which has been widely fact-checked and it, there's really nothing in here that's not factual and they do nothing but put her in a really good light. Right. So the argument of doing it without consent is, in my opinion, not a problem. I will say, though, that the one thing that that I struggle with just on a personal level and And I say this and that then, and and also part of the problem is like from the very beginning, like we saw these images and we're like, oh, I can't wait, you know, thirst traps said, and obviously very much, you know, objectifying whatever men, women pick a, pick a, pick a subject. It's objectifying. And so we're looking at Pamela and we're using this cultural shift, you know, from a female perspective to really try to like retell this story and reframe what happened. And then you look at it and you go, well, okay, so we're reliving this event. We're looking at it. And at the same time, then we talk about people like you who are kind of young enough that you don't really know what happened and you only heard of it on the periphery. You can't help but kind of wonder how many new downloads and searches are there going to be for this tape, right? From the people who don't really know about it or like now we're telling all these details in the story. So like how many people are going to look for that or how many people really want to know all sort of details you didn't know before or how many now how many reruns of Baywatch are going to be? you know, watched and downloaded or how many of those old issues of Playboy and Penthouse are going to be like looked for and bought and like scalped for like a ridiculously absurd price online because they have the original issues of so-and-so in a magazine. Like, so in my head, there is this aspect where are we part of the problem because we're, you know, absorbing and engaging and consuming this media that's been created. And so like just sort of the the journalist aspect of me really kind of looks at that going, well, does that negate all the good that's been done by framing it in this new perspective? I don't know. 
Um, it's more of a rhetorical, theoretical in my head kind of question. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's an answer. I don't think there's like, I don't think you can put like a monetary whatever on it. There is this thing in my head, like deep seated that just goes, well, love this. <laughs> I love this journey for her, for us, for everything. At the same time, question, okay, so part of this let sleeping dogs lie kind of thing. Yeah. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Like how many people are actually talking about this until you bring it up? And and I don't know, like, is it better that way? Is it better to reframe it? I don't know. Thoughts, questions, concerns. I can see your your side of things and that. For me, speaking from the younger side of this scandal, I thought it was important to see this. And like, again, all gorgeous people in the show side you know I thought it was important at the end of the day like you know I was interested originally because it was Sebastian Stan and but I left being far more interested in the fact that far more interested in her as a person and just 100% so I think I mean I can't speak obviously for everyone I'm sure there are some that are probably gonna be like oh I want to see the original but like for me well none of that it was literally right. just, Oh, wow. I know you're not doing that. <laughs> just as, a, as a whole, like I, you know, but 100%, I think reframing and telling the story is important. I mean, I think it's hugely like important. I, I, just, I thought it was There's that flip side where I go, oh, I wonder, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I Because not everybody is respectful. <laughs> well, that's true. But I'm kind of treating it like when we learn new information about any other figure, popular figure from the past that was kind of painted one way. And then, you know, stuff comes out and I just, I think it's, I think it's an important lesson. I think honestly, it's, um, a situation where professors could use it to discuss gender roles, gender bias, consent. I think it's a great door opener to have those broader conversations about how it's still going on, honestly. And she, you know, and I, I don't think she'll watch it. I pr- she probably won't. I'm sure someone will tell her about it in her oh, circle. Oh, gosh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just hope that she finds some kind of peace that people finally know her side of things, that it's I out. I think that, it, honestly, it just, it's it's an apology. It really is. At the end of the day, Pam and Tommy is an apology to both of them, but mostly her, mm-hmm. for how they were treated when all of this happened. And by extension, I think it's an apology to women everywhere who have been through similar situations, whether it's public like hers or just everyday life, just of how we are treated in the media by our, by the men in our workplaces and just how we're looked down upon on based on judgments that are, you know, thrown out there based on looks, which have nothing to do with who you are. So they don't, that's so weird. That's (laughs) so bizarre. So yeah, like I just, I mean, again, like I will fully admit that I was interested originally because Sebastian Stan. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I straight up was like, Hey, here's my, Um, I was like, Oh, hi. (laughs) But like I walked away and that's not even why I loved it, you know? And I mean, he was phenomenal as was Lily James. Gosh, it was like Lily James's show for sure. She Mm -hmm. was so good. She was just so good. So, 
And I will just to throw out here, like if people are, you know, people who are interested in watching this, if you've listened this far, awesome. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> if you go to watch this and you get through the first like episode and you're just like, well, that was kind of slow. I don't really know what's happening. Like, especially if you don't know the story and you don't know who Rand Gothier is, definitely stick around and watch the second episode because like the first few episodes, honestly, like one through three, maybe one through four, I feel like while there are great elements of like two, three, and four, one and four, I think it is, are like, they're a little slower and they focus a little bit more on like Rand. And honestly, in my opinion, I think they're a little Rand heavy for not, especially if you don't know the story and what's coming. But by the time you get to episode five, you're going to be like, go Pam Anderson. Because I think that's where it really kind of picks up and that lens shift really kind of happens and you see so much more from her perspective five through eight really pull the story i really thought that it started picking up after two because i feel like three is when like the tape gets out and the realization that it gets out i think three ends with them realizing the tape is out there and that's when you're like oh man it's gonna get crazy from there the tape itself got out because rand was doing work at tommy's house and tommy like lost his you know, whatever on Rand and the other contractors and was like, and he was, he was horrible. He was horrible to Rand. It doesn't excuse what Rand did at all. However, it does. And Gillespie, um, director Craig Gillespie is great at this too, right? He, he did Cruella. He did I, Tanya. He's really good dealing with these types of like villain stories. So Rand is the villain but you can see why he did what he did. And honestly, he even admits mm-hmm. that he didn't even think about what it would do to her because yep. his focus Never. was Tommy is a jerk. Tommy is horrible. Tommy deserves what's coming to him. It's bad. Tommy has bad karma, like blah, blah, blah. And so like, I think they have to lay that base layer. And I will say Seth Rogen's playing Rand. I am not a Seth Rogen fan generally, but he did a good job in this. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. Seth Rogen had like he has moments where I really kind of enjoy his acting, and other times where I'm just like, oh god, can you stop being the same character from Hangover every single time? <laughs> um, and I did not feel like that about him in here. I was kind of like, okay, I can. And actually, with that awful hair, when I first saw him, I was like, <laughs> I think mullet. that's Seth Rogen. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Seth Rogen. But it took me a few minutes because I hadn't looked up who else. I honestly, legitimately, never looked up who else was in this movie. I was surprised when like Andrew Dice Clay showed up and I was like, oh, of course. Yes! <laughs> I was like, of course he was. And Taylor Schilling, she was amazing too. I was like, yeah, girl. I was like, kick his butt. <laughs> that's good. Yes. So if you're like, what's happening? And that's, and you came for Sebastian Stan. <laughs> they never- 100%. I take it all back. I take it all back. Just, just watch for Sebastian Stan. Yeah. I mean, we'll if that's what got you there then. to begin with, great it's you're true. gonna get a nice eyeful so true um get lots of eyefuls um yeah. so then and then stay for the, the actual story yeah but yeah at the end of the day it is it is a an apology and a love letter to pam anderson and honestly instead of being the greatest love story ever told it should honestly be something like the greatest love story never told because there's so much more to this whole thing than I mean, honestly, like, too, like, you look at their dynamic in that relationship. 
I don't know how you survive something like that. Even as a like celebrity, not celebrity, any couple. I don't, I don't know. Not that I think they were necessarily destined to be together anyway, given their like volatility, but you're that famous and that's on the internet for everybody to see. And there's just the dynamic of dealing with that and trying to get it taken down. Like, I feel like that would break anybody. Yeah, I agree. That's a lot. That's a lot of stress. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, those All are right. our opinions. Let yeah. us know what you think. Yep. So tomorrow, Pam and Tommy, the yes. first three episodes debut tomorrow on Hulu here in the States um, and on the other connected networks around the world. And like we said, following week, you'll get episode four and so on and so forth till you get through all eight. And yeah, stay till the end of that because it's, it's, a, it's a good series. And yeah, for sure. Let us know what you think. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast. Join us next time as we share all the breaking and exciting fandom news. I'm kind of hoping we get a multiverse of madness trailer in the Super Bowl. Mm. Yes. And if that is the case, that will be our next podcast because, well, I mean, there might be some interview ones thrown up before that. But. I mean, we have some, yeah, we have some, already, <laughs> but that'll be the next one we record. <laughs> yes. So fingers crossed, all the things crossed uh, for that. And as always, if you see anything you want to share with us, like Loki season two officially starts filming this summer, tag us on Twitter at Whiskey and Sunshine and at that Ashley Aaron. Until next time, geeks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for more geeky goodness.